Grab your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2, the, the handout, you'll see the link online uh, right next to the, the uh, live stream link on mbtkc.org or on the, on the Facebook or YouTube links, you'll see the handout. Uh, we've got paper handouts here in the building, did, did, does anybody need a handout this morning? Uh, you want a piece of paper? You want to go old school? So in the lobby, I need the connections team. Chris Miller's walking away. Chris, can you, Chris is gone. Um, we've got a handful of people that want outlines. Chris, can you make sure they come in? And so what you'll do is when they bring in the outline, just raise your hand and, and they'll get you a paper copy. So we're, uh, we're, we're a little rusty, y'all. Do we have more outlines or did we run out? Okay, hey, Miller bailing us out, praise the Lord. Raise your hand if you need an outline. Miller's in the house. Okay, so, and I think, uh, Cheadle, did you say you wanted one? You're, you're, you're waffling. You don't know if you want to go paper or not. Lisa wants one. She, she, she doesn't, but she does. She's right here. Uh, all, the, all the waffling. Okay. All right, praise the Lord. In these first four verses, we're going to see a call to humility. It's really a call to unity. And it's a call for us to get over ourselves and to get focused on others, to remove self, ourself, from the focus of our life, and then to follow the pattern for joy. And the pattern that we're going to see in chapter 2 is the pattern of Christ. So for those of you who are followers of Christ, get this down. This is the first thing you want to get right in your notes. Here's the key. There can be no life of joy until you submit to following the pattern of the life of Christ. Did you get that? You're never going to live a life of joy until you can get the life of Christ online in your own heart and life. Philippians chapter 2 verse 1 says, If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, here it is, verse 2, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Christ esteemed you better than himself. That's what we're going to see in chapter 2. Uh, something I'll probably never understand in all of eternity, how the creator of heaven and earth saw me and said I was worth dying for. He allowed himself to be crucified at the hands of puny men. He suffered my shame, my death. He took upon himself the sin of the world. And if he could look at us and say, you know what, you're better than me, not true. <laughs> and yet it is in the mind and the heart of God. Okay, verse four, you can do it too. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. The Bible very clearly says it was while we were yet sinners, while we were God's enemies, that Christ died for us. He sought us out. He found us. We weren't looking for him. He was looking for us. And he reached out to us in love. And here's the problem with today's church, okay? The, the, the pattern that Paul's laying out for us here in chapter two, the pattern for us to follow is one of sacrifice, to lay down your life in service for others. And many people look at that and they say, you know, okay, I, I, I see what it says, but living my life at that level, okay, being, being a living sacrifice, to sacrifice my life for others, uh, that's just unrealistic. I mean, really, it's just unrealistic. I gotta watch out for number one. Okay, jump down to chapter two, verse 19. And look at the guy who is the poster child for getting this concept, Timothy. Paul says, but I trust 
in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Verse 20, for I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your estate, for all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. But you know the proof of him that as a son with the Father, he hath served with me in the gospel. So the problem that we clearly see in today's church, it was the same problem that the church had 2,000 years ago. All, verse 21, describes the problem. All seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. Not Timothy, Timothy got it. Christ esteemed me better than than himself. He laid down his life for me. He laid down his life in order to purchase God's people, in order to purchase people to himself, to make them part of his family. So if God was willing to lay his life down for us, well, you're worth me laying my life down for you. Timothy got that. It wasn't about me. It was about Christ, the things which are Jesus Christ. What's shocking today is that we don't even see how self-centered we really are. You know, in Revelation chapters 2 and 3, you've got seven letters the Lord writes to seven churches, and, and those seven letters, those seven churches end up picturing for us the whole of church history and to see the, the way the church of the last days before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ is described, the church of Laodicea, it is shocking how out of bounds she is, the church is, and she just can't see it. Look at Revelation three seventeen. Got the reference there for you in your notes. Here's the problem with the church of the last days. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So too often, we're not even aware of our self-centered state. That's your next two set of blanks. We're not even aware of our self-centered state. Look at the church of the last days. We know not that we're wretched. How are you gonna live a life of joy when you're wretched? Have you ever been wretched, Pastor Briscoe? I mean, when you're wretched, when you're, I mean, you're living wretched, I mean, how are you gonna have joy in the midst of that? When, when the way you're living is so bad it makes even God wanna barf. You don't know that you're wretched, you don't know that you're miserable. How are you gonna have joy in life when you're miserable? And poor, how can you have joy when you're poor? Particularly what, what, what it's talking about here is being poor spiritually, spiritually destitute. You can't have joy when you're far from God and blind. How can there be joy when you can't see where you're going? You can't see where your life is leading you. Your spiritual eyesight is so dim that you don't even see consequences for actions. How can there be joy living like that? And naked, can't even see you're naked. Can you have joy when you're naked? Well, absolutely. Uh, Cheryl, can I get an amen in the chat? Put an amen in the chat. Okay, that's not what Jesus is talking about here, not at all. Here is a nakedness that results in shame. Right, it's, it's, it's a life without God's provision. We're outside of God's provision. How many of you guys have had that nightmare? You know what I'm talking about. You show up at school, you show up at church, uh, you're getting the handout, you're greeting your brothers and sisters, you look down and you're in your skivvies. Ah! Or maybe you're naked, okay? 
that, that dream. Maybe it's uh, you got to use the restroom, and so you turn it into a dream, and, and you know that dream. You're looking for a bathroom. You're looking for a place to use the, 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 the facilities, and you finally find one, and you're doing your business, and you look up, and you look around like there's no walls. Like it's uh, the toilet's right out there in the lobby, and people are just walking by you. How many have had that, had that dream? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are in denial. It was so traumatic, you just forgot it. You erased it from your memory. <laughs> to have no place to hide. You're naked in your shame. And yet, that's the church today. Self-sufficient, but totally lacking. Wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Not living in the raiment that Christ purchased for her. The righteousness of Christ that can only come from God. But the church sure feels good about herself. We think everything's going so great. Everything's just going our way. Why? Because you come to the conclusion that you're the center of the universe. So when everything's going your way, then everything's great. But when everything isn't going your way, well, then you're in the middle of misery. That's the typical Christian of the last days. If I'm getting my way, I'm happy. But if I'm going through distress or I'm going through a rough time, well, then woe is me. Notice the contrast to Timothy in Philippians chapter 2, verse 21. For all seek their own and not the things which are Jesus Christ. Not Timothy. He got it. He got that Christ paid everything in order to purchase him and to give him a relationship with the Father. So here's what we're seeing this morning. The Word of God is calling us out on the life that we naturally live Left to yourself, you're just going to live for yourself. You're going to seek a life that only works for yourself. And the Word of God is calling us out on that. No more do we get to seek our own will. The price of that is misery, wretched misery, blindness, spiritual blindness, spiritual poverty, and nakedness. And you'll be ashamed when you meet the Lord. Personal comfort was not important to Christ. Personal glory wasn't his primary concern. In humility, Jesus laid down his life. You remember what he said in the garden? Let this cup pass from me. What was the will of Christ? Well, it wasn't to be killed by his creation, to be butchered by his creation. The will of Christ wasn't to be reckoned our sin, right, before God in our, in our place. That wasn't God's will for his life, Christ's will for his life, but it was the Father's will. Nevertheless, Thy will, right? Thy will be done. Not my will, thy will. So Christ was willing to lay down his life in service to the will of the Father and for your good. Personal comfort didn't matter. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, Hebrews says it was for the joy. Once he was submitted to the will of the Father, right? And that's how Christ lived. It wasn't for him to, he didn't say what he wanted to say. He didn't do what he wanted to do. Everything was in the will of the Father. This is why the Bible says it was for the joy that was set before him that he was able to endure the shame, the agony of the cross, the misery of Calvary because he was going to get you in the, in the process. He was going to get a bride in the process. In God's grace, he gave you everything that you need to live your life for him as a result. So look at the passage again. Okay, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord with one mind, of one mind. 
Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. So what we have here is a great if-then proposition. It's a great if-then statement. If you can see what God has done in your life, well, then you can lay down your life in his service. This if-then proposition is what prepares your heart for true service and ministry. If you can see what God's done for you. So number one, can you see God's consolation in your life? Consolation is the next blank. Verse one says, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, the word if and any show up four times. In other words, what Paul is saying to God's people is this. If you can see how God has delivered, how God has come through in your trial, then you can lay your life down. Right, if you can see the consolation, the love, the fellowship of the Spirit, if you can see the work of the bowels and the mercies, man, then in your Christianity, if that is in your life, and if you're really a Christian, if you find these things in the life that you have in Christ, then verses two through four become a requirement on your part. So get this down in your notes. If God's provision is reality in your life, then you must submit the focus of your life to match Christ's estimation of others. If you see God's estimation of you and he's taking care of you in your hard time, then you need to submit your life to view other people the way that Christ views them. Okay, so today I want us to look at how God has provided for us in this one verse. Okay, we're looking at verses one through four, but really we're just only gonna get through verse one this morning. It's a big deal. If there be therefore any and here are the four things. Okay, now, when you see that word therefore, Bible students, anytime we see that word therefore in the Bible, we have to ask ourselves what? What is it there for, right? There's a therefore, why is it there? Okay, this word in verse one, talking about the promises of God over your life, points you back to chapter one. In verse 28, we see that we have adversaries. There are many adversaries. In verse 29, we see that we have the privilege of suffering for Christ's sake. Not only do you get to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, but you also get to suffer for his sake. And in verse 30, we saw that believers were in the same type of conflict that Paul was in at Rome. Paul was in prison. He's in a Roman prison at the end of a chain for preaching the gospel, for being obedient to the call of Christ on his life. So now here in chapter two, Paul is saying that because we're in Christ, there's now consolation in the midst of conflict. Just like Paul was consoled, even at the end of a chain, so also in the midst of our distress, we can see the consolation of Christ. Watch this. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if there's any solace, if there's any comfort, that's what the word consolation means. In other words, when times are really hard, how are you gonna, how are you gonna cope? How are you gonna console yourself? Now, during this pandemic, with all of the stay-at-home orders, a lot of people, it's like multiple hundreds of percent increase in alcohol consumption, okay? Depends on the region, but a typical thing is over 200% increase in alcohol consumption. Okay, so you can turn to meds or booze 
But the problem is, is the pain, right, the frustration's still there when the buzz wears off. Or what happens when you serve the Lord? You do what God calls you to do, but the world gut punches you for it. They're not going to console you afterward. Hey, sorry, I punched you in the gut, man, over just being obedient to the Lord. I'm so, how can I make that? No, they don't console you. Only in Christ can you find consolation. And do you know why Christ, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of you going through a hard time, do you know why he consoles you? In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, he tells you why. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation. And he does that because you're the end game. You're the end result. It's all about you. That's all that matters. God comforts you because you're going through a hard time. Is that why he does it? No, that's only part of why he does it. Keep reading. I mean, it's awesome to know, but look at his agenda for comforting us whenever we're going through a rough time, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted comforted of God. God comforts you so that you'll have the resource to comfort others. Because guess how God's going to comfort them? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, he's going to comfort through you. You forgot how to respond in a live service, didn't you? Remember when we used to turn to our neighbor and tell him something? Do you remember those days? Can I just tell you something? It's so great to actually get to see some faces. I'm... You know, the part that's rough is we can't hug. Every time I see people, I'm like... I'm like mentally projecting the hug. Can you feel the embrace? Ah, God, okay, so we're, we're gonna try this again. How is God gonna comfort? I mean, you got comforted. Well, how's God, how, how's God gonna com- comfort the next believer? How's he gonna do it? Turn to your neighbor and tell him, he's gonna do it through you. He's gonna do it through you. Baby steps, brothers and sisters, baby steps. He does it that way so that you can see your life isn't about you, about you only being comforted or about you only being blessed. It, it ain't about you. Now, you may be hurting right now, and you're asking yourself, well, I'm not feeling very comforted. Where's God's comfort? Where's God's consoling word in my life? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Let me give you a couple cross-references. In Romans chapter 15, verse 4, we find out that the word of God, why do we have it? These things were written aforetime, right? They were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. That's a principle, that's a scripture, that's a principle that you wanna get down in your life. Anytime you're going through distress, you're going through a hard time, what you wanna do is you wanna find out what the Bible says about it, and then now that becomes your memory verse. That becomes your promise. The Bible is a promise book. Find out what God says over your circumstance and then trust him for the reality of it over your life. Believe God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Let me give you a second cross-reference like unto the first. 1 Thessalonians 4, 18 says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. He just got done giving a promise to the believer and so because of that promise, God's got you, just like he's got those who have gone on before you in 1 Thessalonians 4. Therefore, right, wherefore comfort one another with these words. 
So that's the first big question on the floor this morning, is have you been letting God speak to your heart? You're going through a hard time. Are you letting God speak to your heart? Well, when I go through a hard time, I just like me time. Well, that, that's, that's, that's just not smart. Don't do that. Right, house is the comforter, that's the name for the spirit. House is the comforter gonna speak to you. How can he bring God's word to your remembrance when you've never exposed yourself to God's word? Listen, you guys are big boys and girls, so I can tell you something quite freely that I know you already know. There is a sense in which the bumper stickers are right. Life sucks, and then you, you know what the bumper stickers say, right? Life sucks, and then you, you guys are just used to being in front of a, a screen. That's what this is. We're not super responsive. Yeah, life sucks, and then you die. In other words, life in this world, it doesn't play fair. Life in this world will give you an abuser for a parent. Did you sign up for that? Did you deserve that? No, life will do that, though. It'll give you an abuser for a parent. Or it'll take the one that you love the most away from you. It'll just do that. It'll bring you hurts. It'll bring you heartache. You never asked for. You never signed up for. You didn't cause it. It's just not fair. Life isn't fair. And let me tell you something else in warning. God made you in such a way that when you get hurt like that, when life, when life takes a shot at you like that and it breaks you, God made you in such a way that when you get hurt, after a time, you'll be just fine. Bones mend, your heart will grow numb, pain grows duller until it goes away or you can just ignore it. Uh, sometimes the wounds are so bad that time makes it just so that you can bear the pain. Uh, but you can, you absolutely can. Right before we started the outreach here in Midtown, I broke my back. And uh, it was a lot of years of just figuring out how to deal with the fact that everything moved in my back. It was very uncomfortable. Uh, to this day, I have to keep doing exercises and things that are really just a function of pain management. But you know what? I'm back to my new normal, and everything's just fine, and, and I can move forward. You're made to survive being broken, okay? You, you, you'll just do that. God made you in such a way that if you want to just go it on your own and endure, you can. But God's plan for you has never been for you to just get by in life. That's not what he ever intended for you. You know, when you have a major in injury, okay, that typically requires some kind of physical therapy. Why? Because without the physical therapy, you're gonna walk with a limp for the rest of your life. And so when you have a major setback, you're, if your doctor's playing heads up ball, they'll get you in with a physical therapist that will show you how to strengthen the areas and the surrounding areas uh, to, to respond to the damage that's been done so you can get back to a whole life. Uh, in other words, the goal isn't that you're hindered now for the rest of your life. The same thing is true spiritually, okay, even emotionally. When you get hurt, that's when you need help, okay? Maybe you lost a loved one, and so as a result, you want to draw away in life. But if you do that, you're going to be hindered. Maybe a brother or sister was used of Satan uh, to really hurt you, right, to injure you. And so you want to withdraw, and you can do that, and you'll just go through life. But if you do that, you'll be hindered. You know, in time, you'll feel better, but you're always going to be walking with a spiritual limp. 
uh, you know, in our flesh we withdraw. That's just how we're wired, especially if you're a dude. Ladies do the same thing. You know, if I get sick, if I, especially if I have a fever, okay, if I get sick, can we even talk like that in COVID times? I don't know. But if I get sick, I don't want to be bothered. My wife is a nurturer by nature, and she's checking up on me all the time. Just leave me alone. If I live, I live. If I die, I die. Just, it's going to happen in this bed one way or another. Just please go away. By nature, if I'm hurt, I withdraw. Okay, so that's fine if you got a little fever. Probably not the smartest thing in the world. You're, t- you're taking a risk, especially if the fever gets bad. Actually, in this day and age, if you've got a fever, take that real serious, okay? But, um, you know, if you do that spiritually, you do that emotionally, and life deals you a gut punch, uh, life injures you, and you withdraw, you cut yourself off from the source of God's consolation. That's what you do. Yeah, in time you'll feel better, but you're just limping through life. God gave you this church. He gave you his word. He gave you his spirit in order to comfort you, to provide you with the biblical spiritual therapy that you require. It's required for you to heal properly. He is a God of comfort, but unless you allow the great physician access to your heart, you're never going to access that comfort. It's there, but you've got to let it in. You need the promises of God's word, the accountability of the brethren, right, to make sure that you're walking in the spirit. God help us to get this. You know, there's a, the, the way of the world is to pursue group therapy, and it's never to a solution. It's just always to coping mechanisms. Uh, no, God wants to use uh, the, the hurt. You know, you're going to develop scar tissue, but it ought to be to the strengthening Right? It ought to be, the outcome ought to be to the strengthening of your spiritual walk, not to the scarring and the limping, right, of your spiritual walk. Number two, he gives you his comfort of love. Is there comfort in being loved? Is that a comforting thing to be loved? You better believe it. There's nothing better than just somebody just loving you when you can tell their heart is just gobbling you up. That's just goodness. It's good. Knowing that you're loved is one of the greatest things in the world. And, and the love that we have for one another, by the way, is the key to our ministry, and it's proof to the world of our relationship with Christ that it's genuine, right? It's proof that what we have is the real deal. Jesus said it this way in John 13, 34. He says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. And we, you know, you'll hear people say this. How much did God love us? He loved us this much, right? All of himself he gave in loving us. Did he hold anything back? Not one drop of his blood. He held nothing back. He poured out his life in order to purchase you a place in his. That's awesome. Okay, that's how we ought to be loving each other. That's what we see here in Philippians chapter 2. That's what you see in John 13. We're to love one another, Christ says, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And then that becomes the source of comfort that God uses in the lives of people. And you may be saying to yourself, well, I don't feel that kind of love from my brothers and sisters in Christ. Well, okay, are you engaging with them or are you withdrawing? I mean, maybe the reason you're not feeling the love is because you won't actually hold your hands out and ask for help, right? Or elbow bump. 
okay? You say, I'm not feeling the love. Well, okay, are, are you here? Are you, are you showing the love? Are you actually accessible? But then outside of that, let me ask you a question. Do you really feel like God loves you? Do you think God really loves you? I mean, really, in your heart, do you know that God loves you? And does that knowledge comfort you to know Without a question, God loves you. A lot of times, people are in a place where they're saying, well, you know, I don't see how God can love me because look at the rottenness of who I am in my flesh. While we were enemies, he loved us and laid his life down for us. How much more are we gonna be loved by God by the life of Christ? I mean, come on, amen? Amen. I mean, we are loved by God. Now, do you know that? Do you really feel like God loves you? If the answer is no, then let me be the first person to explain your problem to you. You don't feel the love of God because you don't believe the Bible. That's your problem. You haven't come to the place where you have acknowledged the truth of God's word over your life. How are you going to live your life? Let me just tell you, living your life the Bible way is the right way. (laughs) The word of God is a way of life that is blessing. And in the word of God, it very clearly declares that God loves you. So do you believe the Bible or not? Stop calling God a liar and just let him love you. Right now, right where you're at. So it's either you don't believe that God loves you or you're mad at God because you're going through a hard time and you don't feel like he's loving you the way you want to be loved. In other words, you're not enduring the trial in a way that produces victory and now you're blaming God for your failure. You know, if God loved me, he wouldn't have said the loser, the spiritual loser. (laughs) I'm not getting my way and so, you know, it's not going the way that I want, so how can God love me? Well, God not, God, God's not interested. He's a good father, right? He's not interested in giving us what we want. He's going to make sure we get what we need. So first, it may be that you don't believe the Bible, or secondly, it may be that you've just never experienced John 3.16. Have you ever met God at Calvary and realized that God loved you there? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, what? We gotta believe on him. Have you ever believed on the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you been delivered from your sin, your death and your sin, and been made alive, been made alive in the resurrection in the person of Christ? Maybe you don't feel the love of God because you've never accepted it. First John 3, verse one says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Now you can, on the authority of God's word, if you're a child of God, you can know that you're loved by him. And you may not always feel it, but you need to receive it and accept it. You need to believe on that and move forward in that faith. Some of you need to do that today. Maybe for the first time, you need to meet God at Calvary and become his child. So we see the consolation, we see the love, but now get this. Whenever you're born again, you get a fellowship with God in the Spirit. If there's fellowship in the Spirit, if you become partners with God, if you're one with the Spirit of God, it's through the Spirit that you now have the life of Christ in you. I mean, you talk about comfort. That's one of the names of the Spirit. He is the comforter. The reality is, is once you believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are never alone again. You are indwelt by the very life, the very spirit of God himself. So let me ask you, are you aware of the Holy Spirit's presence in your life? Are you aware of it? Are you aware of the fact that God indwells you? 
If not, then let me ask you another question. Are you sure he's even there? If you're not sure he's there, well, then let me ask you the most important question of your life. Have you made Christ your Lord and Savior? Are you born again? If not, fix that today. And then, on the authority of God's word, if you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you called on him as your Lord and Savior, this is what the Bible says, God is literally in your life. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So God's word said it. God's word says it. God's word settles it, you better believe it. You have the fellowship of the Spirit in your life, and that's a powerful thing, man. God's in my life. Then after you trust Christ as your Lord and Savior, now you become a partner with him in the Holy Spirit. You know why most Christians live frustrated lives? They try to be Christian outside of the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. They try to be Christian through the will and the working of their flesh, and that's frustrating. To try to be a Christian, to live the Christian life in the power of the flesh and not the power of God. Do you acknowledge Christ's presence in your life every day? Lord, today I need to live for you, and so, God, I know you indwell my life. Live your life through me. Do you ask him to help you serve Jesus every day? If not, you are a carnal Christian. Now, we all stand in danger of that, right? Just going through our day, going through the motion, just living our life. It's very easy for us to walk in the flesh, isn't it? This is why we have to consciously every day say, okay, my life is yours, Lord. Have your way with me, (laughs) right? For me to live is Christ. So uh, there's got to be an acknowledging of being crucified with Christ. Your life, if it's lived in your own abilities, your own skill, your own talent, if God's not part of the, well, you're a carnal Christian. Okay, so if you see what God's done for you, then what, here's point number four, what's your response all that. He says, if any bowels and mercies. Bowels was used the same way that we would use the word heart. In other words, if, in terms of the seat of your emotion, that's your next blank. Okay, in terms of your, the seat of your emotion, if you see you have the heart and mercy of God, what, what an incredible thing to have God's heart, to have his mercy operative in your life. What an awesome and loving God. So when you see what God's done in your life, What's your response to his provision? In other words, if all of this is true, if you see these four things, if you see what God's doing in your life, then you need to put the focus of your life on the right things, those things which are Christ's. You need to lay down your life in service to others. If you see all of that, then, verse 2, fulfill you my joy that you be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. If you live your life getting your own way, at the expense of the relationship that you have with your brother, your sister in Christ, you're not living the life of Christ. But here's the bottom line. You can't love and minister to others correctly until you've allowed God to love and minister to you. The comfort that you're supposed to be giving to people, you gotta first receive it from the Lord. If you don't let God love you, how are you going to love people with the love of God? It means you have to submit to it. You have to submit to what God wants to do in your life. So that's the question on the floor this morning as we close. What is God showing you? 
What do you need to receive today? How many would say, Pastor, I know the Lord has shown me something, and would you pray for me? Uh, same thing in the chat, okay? If, if on the live stream you're seeing something, we've got some leaders on the chat with us. And you're saying, I, I need prayer. I'm seeing, you know, I've cut myself off from the consolation or the love or, or the fellowship. I'm, there's just been, there, I, I, I'm seeing what God's provided and I've not been accessing that. Would you pray for me? Is there anybody online, anybody in the room here this morning that would say, Pastor, please pray for me. Can I see your hand? Yep, 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 yep. Yes. Okay, so we've got a few in this room. I'm sure we have a few online. I'm going to pray and you need to walk in a faith, right? I'm gonna pray and we're gonna, or actually we're all gonna pray, but you need to walk in faith. We're gonna worship and then we're gonna dismiss. We'll have a little break before the next fellowship hour. The third slot, the third hour is all fellowships. Okay, so Kaya here, uh, the other fellowships in the, in the downstairs and in, the, uh, in the, the trailer just to the north of the building. Uh, I'm going to pray, but if you want to talk to somebody as we're worshiping, as we're singing, just come forward, sit down, or you can, um, online, you can, you can call, if you're online, you can call the, the church line. It's extension five that gets you into the call center. If nobody picks up, leave a message. You can do the same thing. You can email info at mbtkc.org. Leave a message, and we'll get somebody with you to pray and counsel with you. Father, you see our need. Lord, we see your provision. Lord, help us to believe and receive your comfort, uh, the comfort of your love. Uh, Lord, help us to walk in the fellowship of your spirit. Uh, what you have provided, Lord, help us to see it. And, and, and Lord, you know, us seeing how you've worked in our life, Lord, we ought to we ought be moved emotionally. Lord, your sacrifice ought to cause us to desire to lay down our life. It's not about us, it's about you and what you're doing in your people. And so, Lord, help us to see the secret to joy is getting over ourselves and, and getting involved in your agenda uh, to follow, to serve into the life of Christ. And so, Lord, would you bless my brothers and sisters that what they see today, they'll renew tomorrow, that every day, uh, we would reckon ourselves crucified with Christ and then risen in his life. Lord, for us to live as Christ and to die as gain. And then, Lord, how you use us in that, to you be all glory and honor and praise. But, Lord, let the church be blessed because you've used us as a source of consolation in their life. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's worship as we dismiss. If you have a need, come on. Um, uh, or, or you can, uh, you can call the church line or email us and, and, and we'll get somebody to pray and counsel with you. Let's worship. <laughs>